Okay. Um, all right, hang on one second. Okay. So good evening. Today is um, February 20th. Uh, my name is Melissa G and we will be studying in the big book of alcoholics. This week's chapter is there's a solution and our speaker tonight is B. Thank you, B. Go ahead. Hi, I'm B. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm I've been back in program since 2005. I've been active in my disease since I was about nine years old that I can remember. Um, before that, I don't rip my life, um, followed a pretty predictable pattern. Um, up until age six, I was born in Havana, Cuba, and life went on pretty smoothly until all of a sudden my dad packed us onto an airplane and we flew to Jamaica three weeks, then Miami, then Buffalo, New York, my life after that was in turmoil, and there wasn't much food around after that. Um, and life became unmanageable, but I didn't recognize it as such. I just wasn't conscious of its unmanageability, but I definitely began eating to deal with the stress of my life. Um, I was the kid in school that was different. I didn't speak the language. I dressed differently. We didn't have the clothes that everybody else had. When during the day I wore a uniform, but after school I had clothes bought at the Goodwill and stuff like that. Well, all through my life, it went like that. I, I didn't have, didn't get teased about my weight at home. We didn't, my family never gave me any problems about my weight. Um, uh, I was an overweight teenager preteen, really. Um, my godfather was the family doctor. And at age 13, going into high school, he's the first one that told me that I was overweight. The first one who made a comment saying that I ate too much and that I was fat. At the time, I weighed almost 150 pounds, not quite. That really hurt my self-esteem because up until then, no one had ever said anything specifically about my weight. And at that point, I began to try to do things about my weight. 
but I was not a successful dieter. I'd try to cut back for a couple of days, but I was a, a binge eater um, at holidays. Um, I was not a dessert eater. I don't really have a sweet tooth. I tend to be the kind of person who would say, I'll have seconds and skip desserts, or I'll have thirds and skip desserts. If I passed by um, leftovers, I could uh, sliver things to death. I would take a piece of the roast and another piece of the roast and another piece of the roast and just eat a meal that way and then sit down to a meal or eat a meal while cooking a meal and then another meal while I was cleaning up a meal. That was, that tended to be my eating pattern. Um, I was never one to eat in the car or go through drive throughs um, uh, stock up on junk food at the grocery store. But if we were having uh, special weekends, camping weekends, then I would really stock up on the junk food. I'd tell myself I was buying it for my husband once I got married. Um, but I'm skipping ahead because um, I did lose weight going into college. My dad developed um, pre a pre-diabetic condition and my mom put everybody on a diet and I lost weight. And I didn't know how to handle the new, my new body shape and the attention it got me. So that gave me a whole new set of issues. Um, I had not learned all the social skills you learn because I didn't have a female peer group. I was a social isolate most of my life. I didn't have the social skills. And um, so um, that led to some problems. When I graduated from college, my dad was frustrated with his job and he took early retirement from that one and moved um, part of the family across the country to a little village in New Hampshire and told the rest of us we were on our own. I got a teaching job in Cincinnati, Ohio. And for the first time in my life, had an apartment on my own. I'd never so much as had a room on, to myself. Um, and just 
could not handle the loneliness and I started to eat like crazy. Now, I knew that if I started drinking, I'd become an alcoholic. I didn't know that there was compulsive overeating had the same tendencies. Um, and then, um, but I was lonely as heck and eating about everything. The stress of living alone, the stress of not really knowing how to do my job well, eating about everything. Um, I met and married the boy next, the man next door. Um, I kiddingly say I moved 500 miles to marry the boy next door. Um, not long after that, I read the 15 questions, the OA's 15 questions in an Ann Landers column in the newspaper. And I saw myself. I went to my first OA meeting, but back in the seven, this was back in 1978 or so. And it was a very small meeting and there really wasn't any OA literature except a couple of pamphlets. And nobody at that meeting really knew anything about the program or had any recovery. And um, I didn't really learn anything about OA. However, I did learn that you needed uh, that you got uh, physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery. I remember hearing those three words. Then uh, a few months later, we moved to Arkansas. And the stress of that, again, I was under tremendous stress and started eating That's again. That's uh, 10 minutes. Thank you. Um, so. The, the there is a solution tells my story because the first part of there is a solution talks all about our eating his the drinking history which is like an eating history it's just that talks about all the things that someone does when they're eating, just when they're drinking, just like we do when we're eating. You know, they become so very ill from drinking. Well, we become so very ill from eating. The purpose of the book is to answer the questions. What do I have to do to recover? And all the reasons why we can't quit just we can't stop eating we're powerless all the things about powerlessness and i was definitely powerless the um well when i came to oa in arkansas i found what 
is found on page 17 that there exists among us a fellowship of friendliness and understanding, which is undescribably wonderful. People that had the answer, people who could share with me that they understood, you know, that like it says at the bottom of page 18, that they had the same difficulty, that obviously they knew what they were talking about, that their whole department shouted a new, that at their new prospect, that they were a man with a real answer, that they had no holier than thou attitude, that they could accept the desire to be helpful, that there were no fees to pay, and I certainly had no money, that they had no access to ground, no people to please, and that there were no lectures to endure. Now, I didn't get the message then. It took me longer than that. But eventually, years later, back in, it took me until 2005 to finally submit to the program, but I did eventually get the understanding of what the big book had to do with recovery. Until then, I did at times get ill from all the eating, like it says, get ill from all the drinking. And yeah, I was powerless. And unlike some, yeah, at times I was, I began to understand that the main problem was like the alcoholic centered in my mind rather than in my body. I had a mental addiction to food. Unlike many compulsive eaters, abstaining from a food, a particular type of food didn't help. My addictions are mental. There isn't a category of food that I'm really physically addicted to. I just don't have that issue in the same way. It's a mental addiction. I relied on food the way to deal with my anxiety. And so I had to deal with my um, emotional issues. The problem lies in my mind and I had to develop a spiritual solution to deal with the problem. Getting off the food certainly wasn't enough to solve the problem. Like Dr. Jung told Roland Hazard, I had to have a, a spiritual 
uh, experience. And those spiritual experiences are described in the appendix. On page 25, it talks about needing to have that deep and effective spiritual experience that the re to revolutionize our whole attitude towards life. And when I first lost the weight, I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, there's got to be more because I'm still miserable. And that's when I was grateful that the program didn't just leave me there the way a diet program might have. And that's when I really started working deep into the steps so that I could have emotional and spiritual recovery because weight loss wasn't enough because I was still miserable. And now I can face so, I've found I can face so many things with the help of my higher power that I couldn't, I would have never been expected to face alone. Two years ago, I lost my husband and I never thought I could have faced that without a mountain of food, but I've managed to maintain my weight loss for about 14 years now. So, and I've, lost about 50 pounds since I came back to the program. Um, and yeah, it's a deep, effective spiritual experience, like it mentions on page 25 of uh, there is a solution. And it does there, you know, the program asks for self-searching, a leveling of pride, and the confession of shortcomings. The, which requires, which is required for successful consummation. And I've done it a number of times. I've worked the 12 steps with my spon with several sponsors in a variety of fashions. I've had four sponsors in the 15 years. I've worked the 12 steps using the big book, using um, the big book with um, uh, Joe and Charlie's tapes. I've listened to Charlie, or excuse me, to Joe um, talk about the 12 steps um, here in Arkansas. Um, I've listened to Brain uh, Fade, the who's the the fellow from our from Arizona. Anyway, uh, he's gone through the twelve steps with us here in Arkansas. He's gone through the Big Book with us. Um, he came here to do Big Book workshops. So I've done a lot. I've done the inventories, lots of inventories, and that's what it takes to have recovery. And that's 
really what it takes to do the solution. And it seems, but yeah, the, and it does give you a new life and a new design for living, which is what it's, um, this chapter talks about. And it doesn't matter the race, creed, color, or what relationship you have. I have a, we have a member here in Arkansas who's an, who's, I was going to say agnostic, but she's an atheist, and she has lost and maintains 130-pound weight loss by, and works an amazing program, does amazing service. So this program works. You just have to work it. That's time. Yep. And I pass. Now people have questions. Did I did I not hear say anything? No. I just well, I said, B, thank you so much. Appreciate that. <laughs> we'll now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. There is a solution. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in, oh, am I? Do I call? I think I call people, maybe. Um, la la la. Raise hands in order and, you, and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each chair and announce when the time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Um, and then at 8.47, we'll uh, stop for unrecorded questions and answers. All right. Um, does anybody have anything to share or questions? Oh, good. Heidi, do you want to start? Hi. Yes. Thanks, B, um, for your share. I was wondering if you could discuss a little bit, um, you talked about coming into the program and it was like 1978 and then it was until 2005 um, when you finally um, had some understanding. Could you discuss your step one experience in terms of like, um, what was it that um, finally, you know, um, got you to that place of understanding um, that you were powerless over food? You're on mute. I always knew I was powerless over food. It's the unmanageability of my life that I wasn't willing to accept. My first time around, um, when I came in in 1978, I wouldn't admit that I was, that life was unmanageable. It was, but I didn't want to accept it. So I didn't need a higher power to run it. So I really didn't turn my will in my life over to my higher power. And until you do that, 
you you know the rest of the program doesn't you know you can try to do a an inventory also um if you've ever heard the joe and charlie tapes charlie talks about how early in the program they thought that doing an inventory was writing your life story and he had done that which was useless and that's what we were doing back in the 70s too so my inventory in the 70s was useless and didn't accomplish much i left the program for a number of years i came back in 2005 and my life i was willing to admit it was totally unmanageable i was having trouble with my boss i was in danger of losing my position which i did lose because of problems with my boss and i was willing to admit life was unmanageable so that's what changed my attitude to about an unmanageability and willing to admit i needed the help of a higher power um great thank you very much are there any other hands up for sharing or questions oh great wendy your turn hi i'm wendy compulsive overeater thank you so much b um and thank you for that last question uh i just i really loved that answer um and I feel like that was exactly my path too. That it wasn't, it wasn't hard to see and admit that I was powerless over food, but it was very hard to see and admit that I was my life was unmanageable. And um, I saw the same things. I saw that I was angry all the time and frustrated all the time and judgmental all the time. And and those were the things that ultimately made me willing to go to any length which meant put down the food and rely on a higher power. And until that happened, uh, you know, I still, I still, I didn't get it. It just didn't click. And I was around the rooms for almost 30 years. So um, anyway, I just wanted to say, I appreciate your share. I, I appreciate that last answer as well. And um, thanks for being here, everybody. Great. Thanks, Wendy. Um, Jim, you're up. Hi, I'm, I'm Jim and I'm a food addict. Let me just start my timer here. Um, yeah, big therapy. And uh, yeah, I kind of identifying a food addict more and related to what you, um, those are kind of just words that are relating to me. And really something you said about like you had an idea and then you want to, to fix it. And I think I just very much relate to that. It's like, I feel uneasy and I go to food. I'll rephrase that. I used to go to food because I'm going to new places now. And, um, and it's just been helpful. I think sometimes I think one of our early readings opening this meeting, it talks about 
if people are willing to take simple steps, there's a solution. And I've just been trying to, like, when I feel the compulsion to eat, I'm like, wait, I'm trying to seek a solution. I'm trying to seek peace and food. And it's, it's just not there, but it can be in another place. And, um, really the door is starting to open as I'm marking my step nine right now of, uh, so wait, there's another place I'm interested I'd say today I thought my heart is full that that smells in Thank you. I think we might have lost you a little bit there, Jim, but thank you for sharing. I think I caught everything but the last sentence there. Um, all right, great. Is there anyone else that would like to share or ask a question to be? Am I missing anyone, right? No one's hands, okay. Oh, yay, Angela. Awesome, thank you. Hey everyone, I am Angela, gratefully recovered compulsive reader and bulimic. Um, wonderful uh, to be here tonight. I was away, um, feels really good to be back. Uh, thank you, B. really great hearing you. Um, thank you for coming to this meeting. Um, you know, I guess what I'd love, I have a question. Um, I'd love to hear about um, some of the things that are different in your life now. I know it sounds like it's been an evolution of your recovery, um, but some, and you said, um, one of the things you said is the passing of your husband. Um, that would have been, um, I don't remember how you said it, but it, it would, it, you weren't sure that you could handle something like that that level of stress. And I'm just wondering, what are the things that are really different in your life today? Uh, because it sounds like you have such a beautiful um, spiritual path and connection to your higher power. So I'd love to hear that. Thanks. Well, um, I now um, enjoy music with Christian lyrics. Whoops. And then I enjoy uh, I spend time with people that have a deep spiritual life, not just in OA, but I also have built a circle of friends that have a deep spiritual life. I used to think that those people were part of me thought those people were a little strange and part of me kind of envied them but now i spend time with some of them i there are i have a full social life. I, you know, there are things, I there are times when I go out to the theater with friends. 
that I go on um, day trips to different um, parts of the state. Last uh, fall, I decided to go um, take a trip to see um, places out west. My husband and I had planned to go out there um, kind of on our bucket list. Well, I thought, what the heck? I signed up to take a trip and I with a, a tour group. And I went out and saw the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone and places like that by myself. And if my health holds up, I'm going to take a trip to see Scotland and Ireland later next year and things like that. Those are things I would have never have had the courage to do. Just lots of things like that. Awesome. Great, thank you. Um, Rich, you're up. Thank you. Uh, my name is Rich. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, thank you so much, B. Your your story was incredible, and I I just like I appreciate your um, demeanor. It's just calm and forward, and and it's very it's just very nice to hear. Um, um, I don't claim to be abstinent, but I did have a sober food day for which I'm very grateful. Um, but, you know, you mentioned a couple of times the emotional aspect of, of the disease, and I know it's emotional, physical, and spiritual. And, um, you know, I'm not new to program, and I'm finding myself struggling emotionally again um, with my boss, and um, because he's not following the rules according to Rich's opinion, not the doctor's opinion. <laughs> and and um, so... I mean, if you have anything that you could add to that about maybe dealing with uh, real-time resentment or, or or emotional hangover, so to speak, I'd like to hear about it. Well, I found that that can be difficult. Prayer helps. Working with your sponsor, with I found working with my sponsor helped. Um, writing my anger helped. When I was angry with my boss, I wrote pages and I just started out, I am angry. And, you know, just went on from there two or three pages, letting my anger out on paper. Didn't always solve the problem, but it got my anger out in a more productive way than heading for the refrigerator. Okay. Um, it's 47. So we're going to stop the recording for unrecording questions or shares with the Zoom host. Please stop the recording.